Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning. Thank you guys for, for coming and looking so good and, and sharp. It's really, really an incredible morning to just praise the Lord together, right, and to celebrate. Um, I, I'm excited, excited, man, just to see you guys. If you're, if you're wondering, I know if you've been around Banner, you know that we're actually we're moving. So we, we've sold this building. We're working on a, a bigger facility that we, we have under the works. We're trying to work uh, to get a bigger space, and this is why because uh, we're full. <laughs> in this space. If you think this is full, you should see the kids' space. Um, yeah, it's crazy. But it's exciting what God has been doing uh, here at Banner Church. Man, really over the past couple weeks, how many of you have just been blown away by what God has been doing here at Banner? Amen? Amen. We have seen just some incredible miracles in lives and some incredible life changes occurring. And I, I don't normally like tell you what's going to happen at the end, at the beginning, but I feel this like desire to prepare our hearts and just to say we're going to pray uh, for God to move and to do miracles uh, here in this service. And it's amazing already this morning what God has been doing and, and restoring and healing and freeing here. So I just want to tell you, you're, you're coming in into a place where lives are being changed in like the coolest possible way. And even over the past couple weeks where we have seen uh, people really brought back from the edge of suicide, we've seen mental health restored, we've seen uh, sickness healed, we've seen marriages restored, we've seen finances restored. It's been amazing. And so this morning we are launching a series called Miracles, but really God has already kind of been in that series. We just caught up to him and what he's been doing. Uh, so we're, we're excited about that and really honestly believing God to do some some big things. And uh, man, it's just, it's a beautiful day. Amen. Got the photo booth out there. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everyone who set that up. Make sure, hopefully your kids are semi-still together at the end of service. I'm praying for my kids. They've been here since seven. And so they looked good when they came in. I don't know. They look good now. They look okay. All right. We have an incredible kids ministry, so they probably still look good. I want to talk to you today about, about miracles today. I was, uh, it was interesting. I was, I was out for a walk the other day, and I, I had this thought, and I was like, oh, I wonder when that was. And I was trying to think through like a bit of trivia. You never just have a thought pop in your mind, and you're like, I can't remember when that was. And so I pulled out my phone. I pulled out my iPhone, and I just looked it up. And I don't you ever have those moments of clarity in your life when you're like, holding an iPhone and you're like, this thing is crazy, right? Like, have you ever like recently held your iPhone and thought like, when I was a kid, there is no way I could have understood that this thing was coming, right? Like, I, I remember the very first phone I had. That thing was a brick. You could run it over with the tank and it would blow the tank up, right? And now I can't even breathe on my iPhone without it exploding. But you can Google anything on earth, right? Like we have this crazy technology in our hands where we can look up pretty much 
anything. And I think about that, how much a smartphone has changed our lives, right? You go anywhere in the world and you'll still see uh, it, smartphones. Even if it's like not great cell signal, you got the satellite link up. It's crazy how this one small thing changed our life. It used to be that if you were hanging out with your friends and you had a disagreement about some piece of trivia, like when something happened or who played who in that movie, you'd have to argue about it for like four days till somebody went to Blockbuster and finally looked at the back of the DVD or, or really the VHS and they'd see the name and then, the, then they would have to go home and get on their phone and hope nobody else was on the phone and then call you and tell you that they were right, right? Like you could have meaningless arguments go on for like 25 years before smartphones, right? <laughs> now, you just look it up, like immediately. It's like, I mean, there's a lot of good and bad things you can look up on the phone, but it's crazy how these small things have huge ripple effects in our life, right? How much has changed our life? And I, I think about that all the time, how there's, the, there's things that have happened in human history that at the time, I bet nobody realized how big they were, but they've really changed everything about the way we live life. Uh, anybody here a fan of, of like documentaries or History Channel or any of that stuff? Anybody a big fan of that? I was saying in the first service that I like watching the History Channel, but I had to be honest, I've not watched the History Channel in five years. When I said I watched the History Channel, what I really meant was I YouTube History Channel videos, and then I watch those, right? Oh, thank you. Let's see if I can open this one-handed. Oh, man. He's a god of miracles. That's right. Normally that's a struggle. God's moving. <laughs> but I was watching someone on the Wright Brothers in the first flight, and I think about this, like, man, the Wright Brothers were just excited to make it down the hill in this, like, paper and wood contraption without it catching fire. You and I now, we can fly, like, anywhere in the world in a day, right? Like the other, you used to have to like take a boat and a wagon and you'd probably die, right? Just like going to the grocery store. <laughs> now you can fly anywhere. I remember we flew to Thailand. We'd been in the air for like 20 hours and we were still in the air. And I was like, this is mind blowing that in 1903, the Wright brothers were excited to make it down the hill. And like, we've been in the air so long. I've watched every, uh, every Star Wars movie that they've made, right? And it's like, there's no way in 1903 that they saw this as like a part of our life. That I was like, yeah, let's go just take a flight. Like, let's, let's just fly over these mountains that a bunch of people died crossing in a wagon, right? There's no way they had that thought. I, w I was watching a thing on, uh, on penicillin. And about how Dr. Fleming comes back from vacation and finds a Petri dish has some mold on it, discovers bacteria, which if you were a parent, I mean, all parents knew bacteria existed all the time, right? Because children are made of bacteria. And he discovers bacteria and penicillin and modern medicine. I was watching a thing on World War II, and they were talking about all the inventions, right? Um, jet engines were invented, blood transfusion, radar, computers, right? All of these things that were these moments in time that have really changed how we live our life. I mean, think about the internet. Right? I mean, I don't know. When I first heard about the internet, I had no idea that life now was going to be like it's going to be with the internet, right? Do you remember the AOL discs, right, you'd get? There's no way that any of us, when we were rocking AOL discs, thought we'd have the internet we have now, right? I couldn't even remember where you got the AOL discs from. 
Do you guys remember where you get those from? Someone said the grocery store, Circuit City. Oh, man, that's throwing it back. In my mind, because it's been so long since I've seen one, I just thought like a dude on the street handed them out. I was like, where did we get these from? You just get them in the mail from Publishers Clearinghouse, right? But it's crazy to me how these things have changed the way we live our life. There's no way. I mean, Steve Jobs was a visionary, but there's no way when they made the iPhone that they really knew how much that would change our lives, right? There's no, for good and, you know, for bad, there's no way that they could have known that, what a difference it would make in the world. It was just this moment in history that had a massive ripple effect. If you're wondering why we're here this morning, it's because of the most profound moment in history that's had the most profound ripple effect. And what's crazy is, is not only was it an incredible moment in the time, but what's, what's so incredible about it is that it has rippled throughout history and the effect and the understanding is still being felt today. That in Easter, we celebrate one of the most profound moments in human history that is actually not only rippled through time, but also through eternity. And it's a moment that changed everything, but it, as an encouragement for us, it's a moment that's still changing everything. And it's the moment on Easter that the stone was rolled away. I want to set the stage, but before we do, let, let's pray together. Can we pray together this morning? All right, let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that you're here and you're moving and you're restoring and you're changing lives. So God, I just pray that our hearts will be open to you. God, for the person this morning who came and maybe this is all new to them. God, I just pray a peace upon their heart that they would know how loved they are and how important they are to you, God. And God, that you would just stir us and speak to us in your name. Amen. I know, I know on Easter that there's all kinds of context that comes in the door, right? All of us become with different contexts. And so you might have been in like a million church services. This, uh, this might be your first. This might be your first in a long time. And so I just want to set the stage, if I could, uh, for, for Easter Sunday. And I understand that some of you might, might have heard this, but again, if we're believers and you've heard this, then our, our cry today is amen, let it be. And if it's new to you, then I just invite you to just to hear a little bit about why we're here this morning. Easter is a celebration moment, and we call it Resurrection Sunday, right, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing about resurrection. There's a prerequisite for being resurrected, which is you have to die, Right? Right? The prerequisite from being being brought back from the dead is that you have to be the dead. Right? It's not like you overslept, thus resurrection Sunday, right? Or you didn't have anything to do, or you just like had a tummy ache and resurrection Sunday. Right? You have to be dead. Like super dead, all the way dead, 100% dead. Not like the Princess Bride says, mostly dead. You need to be all the way dead dead, right? Great movie. Great movie. You need to be all the way dead. So the resurrection requires that Jesus dies first. And on Friday, it's called Good Friday, we celebrated that Jesus died for us. And you might say, that's a weird thing to celebrate. I heard you Christians like Jesus. Why would you celebrate that he was murdered? Most of the time, if you like someone, you don't celebrate that they've been brutally killed. So why would you crazy Christians celebrate that Jesus died? Why would you celebrate that he was crucified? 
And we celebrate that he was crucified because of the importance of what his death means for us, every single one of us. Let me give you some background here. You and I, as human beings, we were created for a life with God. You and I. Every single one of us. We were created for a life with a loving God. Way back in the Garden of Eden, God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, to have a relationship with him, to have peace with him. Did you know that mankind, we were not created for chaos and evil and violence and destruction, praise God. We were created for peace. We were created for relationship, intimacy with God. We were created to live in, in a perfect relationship with him. The problem was that from the very beginning, the imperfection of humanity chose sin over relationship with God. Meaning, chose pride, said, I want to do what I want to do. I want to become God in my own eyes. I want to make, I want to be rebellious against a God who loves me and cares for me and wants to be with me. And I want to be the God of myself. And so from that, all kinds of evil has come. Selfishness, pride, and anger, and violence. And oftentimes, if we're new to hearing about who God is, we think that God is this angry person, this being who's separate from us, who's hoping that we get it together. And if we finally get it together, then he'll come near to us, and then he'll have a relationship with us if we would just get it together and get get our junk in order, and then God will care. But the reality is that God is not the one who created the separation between us. We have created that separation through rebellion to God through sin. See, sin is what creates a separation between a sinful people and a, and a perfect God. And God's response to that sin was not like, well, it's over for you guys it is to send his son to die for us so that we might be restored into relationship with him. That's a totally different God, right? Right? See, God's response is not like, I hate these people. They're ridiculous. You know what? They've rebelled against me. It's over. His response is, I love my creation, and I long to be in relationship with them, so I'm going to send my son for them. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his Son to die for them so that all who believe in him might have eternal life. You say, well, why didn't he just, you know, wipe it away? Why? That seems a little abrupt that he would be like, no, no, you have to kill my son, right? My son has to die. But here's the thing. If you're perfect, your justice has to be perfect. And ignoring injustice is not perfect justice, Right? be like some weird heavenly nepotism. Like, well, you're children of God, so let's ignore any sense of justice. But that's not the way God functions. But God's so loving that he doesn't enact that justice against us. He sends his son to die for us, right? God loved, the scripture says, right? So Christ was sent to pay the debt of our sin. That's wild to me, right? See, and that, that's wild to me because I'm not perfect, right? So before I discovered a relationship with Christ, I was just living and operating in sin, in rebellion against God. Scripture says all have fallen short of the glory of God. And just like me and everybody else, you know, before we came to know Christ, we're like, yes, that's the life I was walking in. I was walking in the fallen short. Because I'm a human being, I'm not perfect, so I fall short. So then I have a problem. I'm not perfect, so I fall short. That same imperfection can't fix the part of me that's imperfect and falls short. Are you still with me? 
If I'm imperfect and fall short, then I can't be the perfect one who fixes my imperfection. The imperfection that causes me to fall short can't also fix the imperfection that causes me to fall short. That would be problematic. Also, impossible. This is where God sends his son to die for me, to take my place, to pay for my sin because he's perfect. That's a loving God. He says, listen, there, there's a charge of sin, a debt of sin, but I'll send Jesus Christ to die for you. That's why Colossians 2.14 says he canceled the debt by what? By nailing it to the cross. It took something. It took nailing it to the cross. See, Jesus paid the debt of my sin on the cross. You can take that or leave that, but I'm just here to tell you that it's been done. Jesus has paid the debt of your sin by nailing it to the cross. He was beaten and crucified and executed and took upon himself the wrath of our sin. Why? Because God so loved that he sent his son to die for us. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He said, I want to have eternal relationship with you. I'm restoring something that sin has tried to come and tear apart. Are you still with me this morning? Say amen. amen. So here's what he says, Matthew 27. Let's, let, let's jump into scripture here real quick. If you've got your Bible, jump with me to Matthew 27 verse 33. I want to read to you the crucifixion because I think it's important to set the stage in our heart for the resurrection. Verse 33 says, And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they offered him, Jesus, wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're the son of God. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we'll believe in him. So they said, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, quote, I'm the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Verse 45, you still with me? It says, Now from the sixth hour... There was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. Verse 49 says, but the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again and with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51 says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split and tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after this resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion, look at verse 54, when the centurion 
And those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Let's pause there. Truly, this was the Son of God. Here's somebody who's not a believer. He's testifying. He's saying, listen, surely this was the Son of God. What they had seen in that moment in his death, it literally shook the earth. There is a historically, ver uh, historically verified moment where the earth shook and the, the temple curtain was, was torn in two. And the temple curtain is what separated the Jewish people from the presence of God. And it said it was torn in two. In this moment, it's not just the moment of some guy dying on a cross. People died on crosses all the time in Rome. They were crucified often. The Romans were really good at murdering people. It, it's how they kept down uprisings. And there was a lot of uprisings against Rome because Rome was really good at murdering people. So, tomato, tomato, right? <laughs> And so, on any other day, you could say, okay, this is the guy who started an uprising and was killed for it. Except if that was the case, this is the worst uprising you could possibly choose. One, you don't start an uprising by saying you're going to die. That's a bad start. Two, you don't encourage the people in your uprising to a life of humility and poverty, right? And then it wouldn't make sense that in the uprising, right, as, as they begin to rise up, that he would say, no, actually, I, I'm not over here to overthrow Rome. I'm not here to overthrow Caesar. In fact, you should pay taxes. That's the worst uprising you could make, right? As Americans, we're, we're here because we said, no, we don't want to pay taxes, right? I know. We're like, wait, we did? Yes. <laughs> That's what started this all, which is crazy because we pay a lot of taxes now, right? <laughs> like our forefathers would be furious, right? Because it started because they said, listen, no, we don't want to pay. Don't tax us on tea, right? Which is crazy to me, right? We don't want that. We don't want to be taxed on stamps uprising, right? So you don't start an uprising by saying pay taxes. Bad start. Hard to rally people around pay the emperor. What Jesus did say he came to do was to seek and save the lost. What he did say what is, is that his kingdom was not of this earth. What he did say was that his kingdom is greater than the authority of Rome or the authority of Judea. So when he was crucified, he was told by the people literally crucifying, yes, we recognize that you have been falsely accused, but we're still going to kill you anyways. And he says, well, you do what you got to do. Because it was part of the plan of God that Jesus would take on himself the wrath and judgment for all of sin. That is what happens on the cross, is that Jesus Christ becomes the sacrificial lamb for us. That he takes upon himself all of our sin. Think of all of our sin and our rebellion against God. He takes that upon himself upon the cross. That's what he suffers. Not his own sin, but he is torn apart. He suffers the wrath of God. That's why he says, God, God, why have you forsaken me? It's because God turns his face from him and puts upon him the wrath of all of human sin. You have to be divine to take upon yourself the wrath of all human sin. That is an insane amount of wrath. But he takes it upon himself and he dies. You still with me? So verse 57, it says, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph 
who was also a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. So Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And it says, verse 61, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite of the tomb, which is so awesome to me. These women just with absolute hearts of steel, right? It's like everybody's been scattered. The disciples run away and these two gals are like, no, we're going to stick this thing out and see where they put him. That's amazing, right? Just the absolute guts to do that. I don't know if I would have that kind of guts, but um, amazing. And so they follow and they see it. And we're going to see in a second, they're, they're very much rewarded for that spirit because they're the first to see him. But it says that they stand there and they see the moments where they take Jesus and they wrap him up. His body is so badly beaten and he's been crucified. They take him from the cross and they, they wrap his body up and they place it in the tomb. And then it says they roll a great stone across the front of the tomb. And there's debate on whether that's a big round stone or, or more like a stone shaped like a cork that they would like roll in. Regardless, big old rock in front of the hole, right? So there's a moment, whatever that rock looks like in your mind, <laughs> there's a moment where that rock slides into place and is closed, right? There's a moment where all that they had hoped for, all that they had loved, all that they had given their life for, closed. Can you imagine that moment? I know sometimes it's hard. Scripture and the Word of God, it feels like, man, it's so far away, right? Both in time and location. But just imagine, right? Imagine if you had followed Jesus and you're like, this guy seems pretty legit. And you had given your life to follow him. And he is taken by the government and brutally executed, right? Brutally beaten, tried, executed. Then they take his body and they put it in a stone tomb, which is a good way of saying nobody's getting in except through the main entrance, right? Because if you cut it out of stone, right? It's not like it was like a pre-existing cave formation. Cut this baby out of rock. And then they take a stone and they roll it in front of the tomb. And it closes in that last moment. You can just hear, hear it moving, 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 close. And I think that moment, if I was a follower of Christ in that moment, like a disciple in that moment, I think that might have been the most like distraught I'd ever been in my life right there. Like maybe even more distraught than watching him being crucified. Maybe even more hopeless. Because I would think in that moment, right, like it's over, Right? It's over. That's it. When the stone is rolled away, and just follow me here. I hope you're following me here. When the stone was, was rolled in front of the tomb, to the world it signified, this is the end. This man is dead. This hope is gone. And then they go one step further. Verse 62. Jump with me, Matthew 27, 62. It says, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I'll rise. 
Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. Said in the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. They sealed the stone. Okay. So they've rolled this giant stone, and now picture like some CSI crime tape. You know what I'm talking about, right? But just like a fancier, I don't know, more Roman-esque version of that. I don't know if it was ornate, but you know, it's probably like a red strip. Romans loved red, right? So it's just across. And then what they would do is they would literally put a seal on, on the threads or on, on the rope that would go over. So if you broke it, you'd have to break the seal. Another way of saying that is you'd have to defy the Roman government to get into it. And they said, well, okay, and then take some guards and put the guards around it so that no one can get to it, which is a smart plan. Because other than Peter, who had that deal with the sword where he cut a dude's ear off, it's not a big Second Amendment community here, guys, right? <laughs> the Romans did not, there were just like swords lying around. You couldn't go to Bass Pro and get a sword, right? <laughs> like, like you, you would have to be forged. People would know forging is loud. I just tried to forge a knife for the first time with Carter, and it's like, it's loud. Someone would know you're doing it. You're not like in your basement forging out swords, right? So it's not like they were armed to the teeth, these disciples, right? who Jesus said, if you're beaten, like, give them your cloak, right? Not a big armed community. And so when they put the guards over it, basically what was happening is that they were sealing this thing completely shut, saying there's no way you could get in, right? Here's this stone surrounded by guards with the seal of Rome on it. And could you just imagine looking at that stone rolled in front of the tomb all that it signified, it's almost like it was mocking you. Right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, wait, Jesus came and he preached hope. And he came preaching restoration. And you're like, no, I saw him restore sight to the blind. And I saw him raise up broken bodies and people who were covered in leprosy. They were, they were made whole and they were healed. I saw dead people literally brought out from the grave. I saw hope given to the, to the outcast and the outsider. We saw him heal the sick and care for the hurting and go to everybody from the richest person to the prostitute to, to, to the most wealthy to, to the poorest person that we could find. And, and we saw him love on them and give them life. And now, here this stone and it's mocking us like Goliath saying where is your God now can you imagine that feeling some of you can some of you in your life, you, you feel that sense where it's almost like hope has been sealed off, like you're behind a great stone that's been rolled in front. So you can actually identify with this sense of almost being like sorrowful, like, like something has overcome that cannot be moved, that cannot be changed. And that is where the disciples felt in this moment. It's almost like you can hear the devil mocking, like, hey, come and look at this stone. Come see it. Come see the death of dreams. Come see the death of hope. That's what's behind here. What's behind here is the death of hope. No one could move it. It was sealed shut. It was guarded by soldiers. In the, in the natural, you'd say that's just impossible, right? You know, there's the, the phrase, nothing's certain but death and taxes, 
right? Well, in the Roman Empire, they were the taxes. So nothing certain but death in the Roman Empire in this world. And so those two things had sealed up the tomb. They'd sealed it shut. But thank goodness for Matthew 28, right? Because that's why we're here. Let's read Matthew 28 together. Amen? It says, Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, here they are, they're back because they're ballers, and they're apparently afraid of nothing. It's amazing. <laughs> they went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. It says his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. It says he is not here, and then the most important words, for he has risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quick, quickly. And tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee, where you'll see him. See, I've told you. It says verse 8, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Man, sometimes that's how it goes when you encounter God, right? You're overjoyed, but you're like, this is a lot, right? <laughs> Don't be afraid. If God moves, don't be afraid. Just press into him. It says, see, I've told you. So they departed quickly of the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. This is what's amazing right here. So they come to the tomb. What happens? The stone is, has been rolled away. Hear me this morning, church. The stone has been rolled away. I love verse 2. It says there's an earthquake and an angel came and he rolls away the stone and he sits on it. I love that. That's a power move, right? If you're wrestling with somebody, if you're competing with somebody and you put them down and then you sit on them, that's a power move, right? Right? If you're playing football and you line up against the guy and you push them over and then sit on them, you win, right? Like if you're wrestling with your sibling, right, and you push them down and then you sit on them, you're just reminding them who's actually in charge, right? That's the angel, right? The thing that was immovable in the natural, he moves because he comes from God and so is operating the authority of God and then he sits on it as if to say this thing is not that big of a deal. Right? You turn the stone into a lawn chair, you're saying, I'm not worried about it. It says the guards were paralyzed by fear, right? Rome was not greater than heaven. It says they were paralyzed by fear. They were paralyzed. It wasn't even 30 angels. It was one angel. But what did he come with? Came with the glory of heaven. It doesn't matter how mighty you are on earth. It doesn't matter what comes against you on earth. The glory of heaven is still always greater. Always greater. And so the words of the angel in that moment, it ripples through history. He says, he's not here. He's risen. He says, he's not here. He's risen. He's not in the tomb. He's risen. He's already risen. See, when the stone is rolled away, the angel invites him. He says, come and see. It's an invitation. He says, look, I'm going to prove to you something. He says, come and see that the tomb is empty. Look inside. He's gone. Church, hear me. The stone was not rolled away for Jesus. 
He did not. He's like, hey, could you move this rock? I got to get out here. I got things to do. I got to sneak away before Mary gets here because I want to make this really cool, like, surprise on the road. Like, ha, ha, Well, I look like a gardener, but I'm not him. I'm Jesus, right? He's not like the David Blaine of the spirit, right? <laughs> He's not trying to set up some Chris Angel uh, magical performance. Jesus does not need the stone. The stone was not rolled away for Jesus. The stone was rolled away for us so that we could see that the tomb was empty and that he's risen. So that we could see that sin could not hold him, that he defeated it at the cross. That we could see that the grave could not hold him down, that he had risen already to new life. That we could see that death and hell could not hold him, that he was victorious over death itself. It wasn't the bit of rock holding him back. See, the enemy thought, oh, that's, a, that's a, the seal of death, right? The stone was the seal of death. He thought, oh, oh behind, behind the stone was the death of hope, the death of life, the death of promise. Behind the stone was the death of death. Because when Jesus was laid in the grave, it was to fulfill everything he said so that he could go and defeat death, hell, and the grave and rise again in authority and promise, thus giving authority to everything he had promised. When the angel rolls back the stone, he says, he's risen, just as he said he was. And I love that part. Just like he said, he's like, remember when he told you he was going to do this? He did it. Remember how he told you he's going to be doing this from the beginning? Remember how he told you at the very beginning he was going to crush the head of the serpent, the thing that had come to bite him, that was going to send him to death, but he was going to rise and crush it under the authority of heaven? He's like, yeah, he did that. He's risen, which means your sins are paid for. It means our death has been taken. It means our eternity has been secured. Church, the angel invites every one of us to look into the tomb. He says, come and see. Come and see. This is every single person here today. Come and see. Come and see. See, if he was there, if Jesus was in the tomb, there, there's no hope, right? There's no future. There's no eternity. He's risen. He's risen. And if he's risen, it means he fulfilled the prophecy that he gave. It wasn't an accident. He came to rescue us. That was his plan from the beginning. It was the great eternal rescue mission of Jesus Christ come to earth to save our souls. And so he says to us, come and see that your sins are forgiven. He says to you, come and see that hope is here for your life. He says, come and see the love of God that conquered all things, that conquered death. Come and see eternal life. He's inviting you. He invites us, just like maybe someone invited you here this morning. It wasn't to come and see this church. It's neat. It's nice. We love it. It's fun. It's to come and see Jesus Christ who will change our life for all of eternity. Because there's something about Jesus that changes everything. And I love verse 8. I love, I love Mary and Mary, Mary and other Mary. It says, They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples, and behold, Jesus met them. Look at that. It says, Behold, yours might, yours, yours might say suddenly. Jesus met them. Here's what I love. The rolling way of the stone is still an invitation today. What is an invitation for? To experience a new life in Jesus Christ where Jesus has come to meet with you. He's not hoping that you kind of get it together, right? That you get it together and then he'll meet with you. He's like, well, I would, you know, meet with Mary and other Mary, but, you know, they, they kind of had a rough day and look at their past and look what they've done. No, he came and he met with them. Why? Because he's the God of the resurrection and he's alive. 
So it's an invitation for every person, every person here to experience new life in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not here to be an addition. He's not coming here to meet with you to be an addition to your life. He's coming here to change your life. He's coming to meet with you today that you could have new life. That's why our mission, we believe God has sent Banner Church because we believe it's his mission that all people could experience the freedom and the power of a new life in Jesus Christ. Every person, he's saying, come and see the Jesus that wants to meet with you today. The Jesus who rolled the stone away, the God who rolled the stone away. Now this is so important. If you checked out at any point, maybe you went on Instagram, you, I lost you a little bit, it's okay, you were online, you checked out, you went to the kitchen to get some sandwich, and you're coming back, just, just get, follow this right here, this is important. God is still rolling away stones. God is still rolling away stones. Let me explain. Because the stone was rolled away, all stones can be rolled away. See, without the resurrection, it's kind of the end of the story right? The stone stays sealed. The grave is full. Jesus is dead. But because of the resurrection and the stone being rolled away, we go in and we look and we see and we say, Christ is risen. He's alive. And he's the God who can roll stones away. Because if Christ is alive, then guess what else is alive? His power is alive. If Christ is alive, his promises are alive, and his promises are true. If Christ is alive, then his freedom is alive, and it's here today for us. See, he has the power and the authority because he's risen. See, he worked miracles. Jesus worked miracles, and he's still working miracles here today. Jesus healed bodies. And he's still healing bodies today. The same spirit that rose Christ from the grave. Are you with me here this morning, church? Are we alive to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That the same spirit who rose Christ from the dead is still raising up dead things to life. Amen. There is nothing too dead for him. There is no stone too heavy that Christ cannot roll it away and call us into life. He restored. He's still restoring. He redeemed. He's still redeeming. He lifted up. He's still lifting up today. He brought the outcast in. He's still calling us in. He took the sick and the hurting and the forgotten, and he gave them a home, and he brought them into a family, and he's still doing it here today. If you're here and you're in that space and you can maybe identify with that feeling of when the stone closed and the hopelessness began. Maybe you're here today and I know, I know there's many of us here who might feel trapped in that space of darkness. Like, like part of your life is sealed behind a stone, maybe feeling hopeless. Maybe you feel sealed behind the stone of, of sin and shame or trapped in brokenness or hopelessness or suffering. You're like, I just need a miracle. See, you don't need another church service. You don't need another Easter photo, even though we have an awesome Easter photo booth and Mike's killing it, and I love that. You don't, your kids don't need more eggs, though I love our kids' egg hunt, and I love what's happening. You know what we need? We need a miracle. We need God to move. We need God, the God who rolled the stone away, to roll the stone away in your life today. Ben, you guys can come up. 
And I don't know how you came in here. I don't know the context of you being here and, and how you got here and who invited you. Here's what I do. And I know the, the Lord knows you and loves you and cares for you. And I know that Jesus is here to roll away stones in your life. Because the same God who rolled away the stone on Easter Sunday is the same God who rolls them away today. Who calls into dark places and calls you out into life. The same God who defeated death is here to, to give you life. He's saying, come and see. There's hope then. There's hope now. See, he's saying to you this morning, what you think is dead, I'm going to bring forth into life. You say, oh, that, that can't be. That's the amazing thing is he's the God of the impossible, so it can be. And this morning, I'm believing because we've begun to see it even, even in first service that there's stones being rolled away. Some of you in your life, you need God to do a miracle. You need a miracle in your health today. You need a miracle in your health. You're just honest before God. I need a miracle in my health. I need him to do that. I need the, the God who rolled the stone away. I need the, the resurrected king. I, I don't need another service. I don't need another thing. I don't need another participatory element of religion. I need the God who rolled the stone away and defeated death, hell, and the grave. I need him to come in and to roll the stone away in my life. I need him to roll the stone away in front of my marriage. I need him to roll it away. The stone that has felt like it's, it's trapped my marriage, whether that's unforgiveness, whether that's hurt and pain, whatever it is, but it's sealed your marriage into death. Maybe in your family, you, you have a child and just who, who's wandered from God. And you're like, God, I need you to do a miracle. I need you to call them back. Maybe it's yourself today, right here in this place, in your heart, in your sin. You're like, I have felt hopeless, and I have felt empty, and I have felt like all the natural things that I can control and, and have power over, none of that seems to work. But can I tell you, the God who rolled the stone away is here, rolling stones away, doing miracles. The God who rolled stones away is here freeing minds from depression. You know, we've seen minds freed from depression. The God who rolled stones away is here rolling stones away, freeing people from, from being literally at the point of taking their own life through suicide. God has freed them because the God who rolled stones away is rolling stones away. You know that we've seen marriages restored and relationships. We've seen families restored because the God who rolled the stone away is still rolling the stones away for families. Families that have been in devastation for generations. That it's almost like your family crest looks like a messy trash can on fire. Right? Like if you went back in time, you're like, that's our families. Like we get together, it's just incendiary. But God has begun to restore families because the God who rolled the stone away is still rolling stones away. It's not by our power. We can't move it, shake it, change it, alter it. We can't move it out of the way. In fact, in many of us, it feels like the enemy has put a guard around it. It doesn't even let us get close to it. But today, I believe, because the God who rolled stones away is still rolling stones away, that there's nothing he cannot move, and there's no life he cannot touch, and there's no body he cannot heal, and there's no family he cannot restore. There's no nation he cannot touch. There's no city he can't change. There's no heart he can't uplift. There's no mind he cannot free because he's the God who rolled the stones away. And I believe he's doing it right now in your heart, even right now, which is crazy. You're not even at the altar yet, but God's beginning to do it because you're beginning to hope in him for the first time, maybe in a long time. I told you at the beginning, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying for today. Would you stand with me this morning?
As you stand, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? That's what we're praying for this morning. In just a second, like I said at the beginning, we're going to call you forward to this space we call the altar. It's this gap between the front row and the stage right here. Now, the tile's not extra holy up here, though we do pray a lot up here for you. We've been fasting and praying for 40 days for you and for your family. But there's something about stepping out where you come around people and you, and you step into a space of profound faith and belief and you step into a space of testimony because God has done some incredible things in the stepping out. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you, if that's you and you need a miracle in your life or your family or your children, or we had people this morning uh, just standing in the gap said, I prayed with someone this morning. He said, my, my, my father needs prayer. He needs freedom. And he's like, I'm standing in the gap for him. I'm going to believe. He needs that stone rolled away. And, and, and I believe that today. But before we do that, before I call you forward, and I just want to say, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Don't be afraid to step out. This is a safe space. This is a safe space for this. No one will come against you or judge you. This is a, this is a space we believe God is working. And no one loves you more than the Lord. But there's one thing I want to pray for before that. It's for the person here, the people here who have never encountered the freedom of a life with Jesus Christ. You've never said yes to Jesus. There, there's a God-shaped hole inside of you. You've maybe even tried to fill with other things. But right now, you just, you know that the miracle you need is the miracle in your heart from Jesus Christ to heal you of all sin and shame. I'm here to tell you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm here to tell you right now, just so you can focus on the Lord speaking to you, I'm here to tell you that in Jesus Christ, there's hope for every future, and there's healing for every past. In Jesus Christ, there's hope for every future, and there's healing for every past. And so if that's you, and you would today, say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. I'm done doing it myself. I want to be free from all sin and shame. I need you as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want to invite you to make a profession of faith before him to say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. So if that's you, would you do me a favor? If you're saying yes to Jesus, would you lift your hand up, put it back down? Yes to Jesus right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray together. And the reason we do this is because if you raise your hand, we're so thankful for you. And we want to we affirm you. We want to stand with you. So as a church, even though many of us have said this prayer, we're going to say it with you because we're brothers and sisters of Christ. He says he brings the lonely into families. You're part of a family of believers who's with you. So all, all believers here, would you repeat after me in, in this moment? And the, these words are not magical. It's just this is our heart before the Lord. So we're making a profession of our faith. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and raised from the dead, then you will be saved. So this is our confession today. Would you repeat after me? Pray, dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for dying for me for taking my sin to the cross and rising again. I give my life to you, every part of me, and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you in your name. Amen. Can we celebrate for a moment right here? We celebrate this morning. Okay, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray miracles right now. Before we do, I just want to tell you, if you're one of those people that raise your hand, thank you. And we wanna we wanna encourage you and, and help resource you. So when you when you go out, please grab one of the gifts on the way out, so we can get the word of God in your hands and encourage you. 
this morning because it's, it's an incredible thing. Uh, we're not a really long, drawn-out altar call church, so it's really simple here because we believe God moves. If you're here, and whether it's you or you're standing in the gap, and you need a miracle in your life today, Here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you in just a second to come forward. And then our prayer team is going to come around you as the band leads us in the song about miracles. And the prayer team is going to come and they're just going to begin to pray with you. And you can tell them, or if you're having a moment, you just have your moment, right? It's, it's you. But we want to pray and believe to see God miracles. So in fact, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to this moment right here. We know your presence is here with us and we long for you to move. Not for our glory, not for the glory of the name on this building, but for the name in heaven. Because we know you're healing right now. We know you're restoring right now. God, we know you're touching lives right now. God, we know you're calling prodigals home right now. God, we know for the person who feels lonely and depressed, in fact, you're speaking to them right now and you're restoring joy into their mind. So I just pray just a stirring and a movement here. God, that we would step out and therefore step into faith in this moment in your name. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to invite you. You say, I need a miracle in my life, or I'm going to stand in the gap for a miracle. Would you just come forward right now? I want to pray for you. You're saying, I need a miracle. Come forward right now. I want to pray for you in this place. I need a miracle in my life. Don't be afraid. Thank you for being first. I honor you guys for stepping out. Come on, come forward. Just come up here. Jesus, as you come forward, I just encourage you to put yourself in a posture of prayer right now. Jesus, I'm here for you. Holy Spirit, I'm here for you here for you. We're here for you. Come on, church. In fact, I'm just going to give a moment. Band, could you just lead us for a minute as we come into this space? Could you just sing part of this song? Just take a moment. If you're up here, you and Jesus, and then, then I'm going to pray for you. Just want one moment, you and Jesus. Sing the one. The one who made the blind to see is moving here in front of me. Moving here in front of me, the one who made the deaf to hear is silencing my every fear, silencing my every fear. Right here, I believe in you. It's with our hearts. I believe in you. You're the God of me. Let's pray together this morning. Let's pray together this morning right here in this place. God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. And in fact, church, would you just join me in praying this morning? We're a church family here. This is all of our ministry. If you just want to reach out your hands, whatever it might be, let's just begin to pray over these people who've taken a step out here. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. We pray miracles right now in this place, in this moment, right here at Banner Church. Holy Spirit, we pray breakout right now in body and in health right now in the name of Jesus. We pray breakout in minds. God, where there is depression, we pray healing right now in the name of Jesus. I just speak to your mind. Even if you're in the seats and you weren't sure about stepping out, I even speak to your mind right now. There is healing in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray healing over your mind right now in the name of Jesus. God, we pray over bodies right now. We pray healing over bodies. We speak to cancer, and we pray healing in the name of Jesus. We speak to the very cells under the 
authority of the Most High God. And we pray, be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be healed in the name of Jesus. God, we speak over families right now. God, families that have been torn apart. And we pray healing right now in the name of Jesus. To the, to the children who have wandered in their separation and in anger, God, we pray healing and peace right now and restoration in the name of Jesus. I pray you would restore children and grandchildren back into relationship in families, back into relationship with you, Jesus. We pray miracles in the name of Jesus. Let's just pray together as we worship the Lord.
right here in this place. Is there anybody who's, who still needs to be prayed for? You're like, I still need to be prayed for. Maybe you didn't come up, but you're like, I just feel like we don't want to run out. You're at a church that's like, we don't want to rush out of what God's doing, but you're just, you're in that space. You're like, I really need to be prayed for or stand in that. Anybody? Good. Just sensing a, as we're praying, you know, as we pray, we, we seek the Lord in our prayer. And the, and the word that just kept coming to me is identity. The word identity, identity, identity. And I, I just believe that in here this morning, there's people who are really struggling with understanding how much God truly cares for them. There's a sense of unworthiness. There's a sense of because of decisions maybe that you've made or even maybe things that have been done to you, there's a sense of feeling uh, unworthy. And I'm not going to make you raise your hand like, who here feels unworthy? But, uh, but I want to pray. <laughs> when you can, you can raise your hand. It's you and the Lord. It's, it's our freedom, right? Don't rob, your, don't rob yourself of freedom. But I just, I, I feel like we, we can pray this morning. And I just believe that there's a joy of the Lord. This is what's amazing. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's the joy of the Lord that comes in and begins to operate in our spirit. So I want to pray that specifically. The band's going to continue all, all those things, but I just want to stop for a minute and just pray the joy of the Lord. I pray right now over your life, if that's you, I pray right now just a deep revelation of the love of God on your life, supernaturally. Right now, I speak against any lie of the enemy that tries to quantify and qualify your worthiness for the kingdom based off of your actions in the flesh and to say you are released of sin and shame because of the freedom of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing you could do to earn his love, and there's certainly nothing you could do to chase it away because his love cannot be defeated. It defeated death. And there's nothing in this world that is greater than it. So he says to you right now, your identity is not unworthy. Your identity is not broken. Your identity is not a mess. Your identity is not, um, people have said maybe that you're too much work, that, that you're too much. But he says, listen, that's not your identity. Your identity is a son and a daughter of God, that you're a child of the Most High, that you have an eternal inheritance. It's not what people have spoken over you. He says this morning, it's what I have spoken over you. So I pray right now a healing of your mind and your identity and your spirit. And I just speak over your life right now by the power of the Holy Spirit right now that you would receive the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord in your spirit right now. In fact, in your heart, if there's a heaviness, I just want you wherever you are, and maybe it's just in your own in your own heart or your mind, just say, God, I give you this heaviness. I lay it at your feet, and I receive the joy. I give you permission to take this part of my identity away, the heaviness part, and to give me joy in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Can we just sing that? You're the God of miracles one more time as we pray and believe. If you're still praying, let's still pray. Let's believe together. Amen? Because he's risen. I want to see God move. Let's sing this one more time. Come on, let's prophesy this morning. Build the faith. Build the faith. Oh, we believe Jesus right here, right now. God was it 
Church podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.